I just have a, a brief little thought that I want to share this evening when it comes to this generation's concept and the series that we've been talking about. It's been a great series. I think we've learned a lot about generations, and I get to represent that wonderful seniors. Yeah, let's give it up for our seniors, but we'll talk about that more in a moment. And, uh, of course, I'm going to talk this morning, this evening a little bit about the differences that are out there amongst all the generations. Uh, and so I, I found a, a new dictionary that has been submitted, that some additional words that are going to be added to the dictionary that are more contemporary. Uh, for instance, the definition of an adult is now a person who has stopped growing at both ends and is now growing in the middle. All those amens, yeah. I, this, was a, this one, I hope you get this one. The definition of a beauty parlor, a place where women curl up and die. I didn't say that. I love this one. The definition of a cannibal, someone who is fed up with people. Everybody said, yeah. I, know, I hope you get this one. Handkerchief, cold storage. Ooh. <laughs> or how about this one? The definition of a myth, a female moth. Mosquito, an insect that makes you like flies better. Oh, this, my wife liked this one. I shared this with, with my wife recently. She liked this one. Secret, something you tell to one person at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or how about this one? Definition of a yawn, an honest opinion openly expressed. Ooh, I don't want to see any yawns tonight, all right? None of that. Or wrinkles, something other people have. You have character lines. Everybody said? Well, we've been talking about the Generation Series, and I just want to, first of all, just kind of do a little study with you together uh, this evening as we start in to jump into some things. But a primary thought initially right out of the chute here to recognize is God is a generational God. Okay? God is a generational God. Not only is he about the day, this is the day the Lord hath made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Not only is the Bible full of days and years and months, but there's also a great emphasis on the word generations. Let me just kind of walk through a few of them with you this evening. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. It says that these are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. In the day of the Lord, God made the heaven, or excuse me, the earth and the heavens. Generations here simply means history, okay? In other words, history is a collection of generations, and we see that here in Genesis. Further, we see in Genesis 5.1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of man, made he him. Gen the word generations here means Family register, once again, the history of Adam. Again, God viewing history in the term of generations. And of course, we're all familiar with this next verse, Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. It says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. Okay, so we see here, maybe not history, but a potential time frame. The sins or the 
tendencies or the differences or the effects of sin can last as many as three to four generations. I think we've all experienced that with sins of, in our families or situations in our families where that just continues to three to even four generations as follows out there. The Hebrews, in an interesting way, and I think some of you will find this interesting, equated generations with a particular time frame also. Now you have to follow me here. In the time of Abraham, a generation appeared to be a 100 years. We see in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, that the Lord was warning Abraham that his people were going to be strangers in a country, enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. And again, we see that in Genesis 15. Just a few verses later in Genesis 15, 16, the Lord continues and uses the same term in the context of the fourth generation to describe the same thought, in the fourth generation, your people will return. So we know that basically describing a generation as 100 years, because we see in Exodus 12, verse 40, clearly states that the Israelites were in Egypt 400 years or four generations. So there was the equation of a generation being 100 years. Although we do, interestingly, as we proceed here and think about this whole generation concept, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 35 says, When the Lord heard what is, you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, Not a man of this evil generation will see the good land I swore to give your forefathers except Joshua and Caleb. Now then, just to, are you following me okay here? Then just a little bit later in Deuteronomy 2, it says 38 years passed from the time we left Kadesh Barnea until we crossed the Zered Valley. By then, the entire generation of fighting men had perished from the camp. And so we see here in one, one view, generations being 100 years, but we see a little later a generation being 38 years. Look at one more verse, and I'll tie this together, and we'll jump into some other, other things here. But Matthew chapter 24, this is the one that's very familiar to all of us, I think. Matthew 24, 34, I tell you the truth, this what? Generation will certainly not pass away until all of these things have happened. Now, in the New Testament Greek, we find something very interesting. The word generation here means age, or it means nation, or it means time, or it means race. So not necessarily a particular 38, 58, 100 years as much as a more generally, for instance, this age that we are currently living in could be interpreted here. Or this nation will certainly not pass, pass away. Or this time we are living in. Or this particular race will not perish. So it's possible to put a time frame of 38 to 100 years on a generation. Now, most of us can come back down here a little bit. So if Israel became a nation in 1948, you do the math. Are you following me? You do the math. I think we're living in some exciting days very exciting days here. David also spoke of generations in Psalm 71, verse 18. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim the power of this generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Key phrase we'll talk about a little bit later. Acts 13, David also has said about David, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Again, a generation concept here of, by the great man David. Many of the teachings of Jesus, we also see generations utilized. Unfortunately, much of it had to do with corrections or rebukes. Follow with me. This generation shall not pass away. To what can I compare this generation? 
This wicked and perverse generation. Judgment to come upon this generation. We'll hold this generation responsible. We'll be rejected by this generation. So Jesus did a lot of teaching and a lot of talking having to do with generations. So let's try to bring all of that to today and right here. I want to say very openly here, a healthy church is the successful blending of all generations. Whatever the year, whatever year we put on that, wherever we are in time, all that space, wherever we are, God is a God who is a God of generations, but the church must be a blending of all of those generations. I feel very strongly, and I think you would agree with me tonight, that people's church is a healthy church because of a very healthy blending of all the generations. Let me just point out something very interesting that happened just this week. We had a youth camp, and I'll talk more about that in just a moment, but I found it very interesting on the way home on Tuesday night after being able to speak there, I found it very interesting to look at the speakers. I don't know, Pastor Spencer, if you and Pastor Aaron did this on purpose, but we see an incredible blending of generations in the speakers for the camp because on Monday night was a youth pastor. Okay, a, a man who was young, he was speaking to the youth, and he did a fabulous job. Tuesday night was this old guy. Okay, Tuesday night, this old guy comes up and speaks. And then, then on Wednesday night, Pastor Tom came. And so we have the young youth pastors, we have the old senior adult pastor, you know, and my wife is going to get mad at me for calling me old, but I'm, I'm getting there. I'm going to be 70 in September. That scares me. I know, I'm really old, aren't I? But anyhow... And then we have Pastor Tom, who is right there, that vibrant age. But what a blending of generations, right? And I, to my best of my knowledge from what has been told to me, all three of us were accepted by that youth group and used by God to do a great work in the youth camp last week. A beautiful blending of generations. It was great. Whatever the age we put on that or the year that we put, 38 or 100, whatever the age that we're living in right now, right now I believe people's church is a very strong church because we have a healthy blending of all the generations. I have three points I just want to share quickly with you here this evening. One is that every generation is a blessing and has something to offer. Every generation is a blessing, okay? Four gen I'm going to talk about four generations here. First of all, let's talk about the infants and the children. And these infants and children are more than just a noise at one end and a smell at the other. Okay? They are vital. The sounds of children in the church are crucial. The laughter, the activity of them. Can I just challenge us all here? Anytime you see a child running through the lobby, would you say, thank you, Lord? Thank the Lord that we have a church with children that are running through the lobby. We can say, oh, now you need to stop that, Johnny. No, I'll say, thank you, God, for Johnny running through the lobby. Okay, because that makes a healthy church. They offer laughter. They have great opportunities to serve. And they, we have, as servant leaders here, an incredible opportunity before us to impact future generations by our service to them. Okay? I think one of, the, one of the most interesting, and I would do this if I wasn't busy every morning at 10 o'clock, I would do this. One of the most interesting servant leadership positions is held by a guy, by the, his name is Steve Keeser. And Steve gets to go in the nursery every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and just hold babies. If they do their thing, he gets to give them to the nursery attendant to change them. He just holds them and comforts them and loves them. What kind of a job is that? I mean, sign me up. 
Well, anyhow. But see, it's important, isn't it, to have that kind of ministry available in the church, but it's also to have the babies who are there. Pastor Rob and Stephanie, where'd you go? Pastor Stephanie, you guys are doing a fabulous job with the children. Absolutely fabulous, okay? Uh, I applaud you and all your team. You love your kids, and they're amazing. You had over 100, if I recall, at the Alpine Ascent last week. 170? Are you serious? I mean, that, that is incredible to think of, okay? Uh, I know Pastor Rob is leading the Royal Ranger powwow this coming week, and he's astounded, he's amazed that there are 75 people signed up from our church to go to that. I'm glad we have infants and children in our church, aren't you? Okay, a great generation that is coming to know Jesus Christ that's rising up within the hallways and the classrooms of people's church that will go on to serve Jesus Christ the rest of their lives. Because right here, okay? Teenagers, young adults. Let me ask you a question. What would happen to a church or what would a church be like if it didn't have any youth in it? Say it with me. Boring. The vitality, the energy, they keep us young. I tell you, it's, I, I, I'm, after I teach at the 1130 hour, I walk through the lobby on the way back to my car. And I, 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 I don't know about you guys, but I get excited walking through the lobby. Not only for the little children, but I see all the youth and the young adults out there. And I see them talking and, and I see them laughing. And they're all getting this groups of this and this groups of this. And I don't, know, I don't know about you guys, but I say a big hallelujah. Thank you, God, for that. Why? Because people's church is a blending of our generations. We see the children, we see beautiful teenagers and young adults. Um, youth camp this week was amazing, uh, and I had that opportunity to speak. Pastor Spencer and Pastor Aaron, seriously? Absolutely off the chart, my friend. I, I got there, I drove into this uh, campground out there at Triangle Lake, Eagle Cove, and here were tiki torches set out on the beach. Here was the, the boats and the, the jet skis going out there. Here were courses already set up because they worked their tails off to get it ready to minister to youth. We have a great, we have a great youth ministry here. Uh, youth that are here tonight, I want you to know we need you. We need you. We need your vitality. We need your, your, your excitement. We need your love. We need, you are a blessing. And I want to say it very loudly, and I think Pastor Tom has said this several times, and I applaud it every time. The children and the youth are not our churches of tomorrow. They're our church of today. We have to get that into the very lifeblood of who we are as a church. I think the third generation are the young marries, the mid-marries, the adult singles. This is where our church gets our leadership from. And it's very important uh, tonight. The majority of our board members, servant leaders, fit into this category. Board members who are here, I applaud you. Thank you for serving People's Church. We need you. Thank you so much. Those of you in here who are servant leaders, that on a Sunday morning you're busy, on a Wednesday night you're busy, and you're fit into this young marriage, mid-marriage, adult singles, we need you. The church needs you. It needs your teaching ability. It needs your skills of leadership. It needs your wisdom. It needs your direction. It needs your vision. It needs you. We need you. We're a better church because you're a part of us. Generationally. Again, I'm not talking about 38 to 100 years here. I'm talking about right now, today, this age that we're living in, this time. People's church needs you. And thank you for stepping up and thank you for doing what you are doing. Uh, your excellent servant leaders and missions outreaches. And of course, the last, last group is the best group in the whole church. Those, those who are retired. Let's give it up for our over 60 gang, huh? Come on. Think about it. 
we're a pretty active group. We have our monthly luncheons. We have our movie nights, our picnics in the park. We have some fun classes, although the teacher's a little suspect sometimes. But yet, we have a good time. But thank you, retired people, for your financial support. Thank you for your prayer support. We need you. We need your prayers. I know, and Pastor Tom knows, we know as a staff, that every day, you as our retired, mature, over 60 group, you lift us up in your prayers. And many times we feel the effect of those prayers. It's not that any of you are not, others of these groups are not praying. I'm not saying that at all. But I know that there are some prayer warriors in that over 60 group that this church continues to move forward because you guys are praying. And I say a huge thank you. Okay, we need you. We need that wealth of wisdom. We love you. We respect you. You are an incredible blessing to us. So I say a huge thank you. So look at the blending of those four generations right here in this church. I think it's pretty spectacular. It's pretty fabulous. Okay? So second, my first point, again, every generation is a blessing and has something to offer. The second point I want to make tonight is every generation has its differences. And you say, everybody said... There's some differences out there, not just in size or clothing or in music, but there are generational differences. And three quick challenges that goes both ways, older to younger and younger to older, that I want to throw out to you. Number one, friends, when it comes to those differences, and we all know those, I don't have to differentiate those, I don't have to articulate those out here tonight. We know there are differences in these generations. We'll talk about them just a little bit. But we have to, first of all, accept, accept the fact that there are differences, we are different. Differences between the generations is not new. How many of you know that, you know what, I graduated the year I graduated, polyester suits and platform shoes were in style. Come on, somebody say hallelujah, that's no longer there, but that's gone. You see, there are differences there, okay? What if everyone in here wore ripped jeans? What if everyone in here, your, your diet consisted of an 18-month-old strained carrots? Praise God, we moved out of that stage, okay? Or what if everyone was retired? Ooh, no, I, what I'm saying is there are differences between the generations and that those differences are not new. They've always existed, okay? They've always, and they, guess what? They will always exist. There have been differences in the past and there will be in the future. Can I say a real quick three letter, three words? Just get over it. Accept it. There are going to be the differences. Accept it. Embrace it. And let me tell you, differences are good. They challenge us. So if I accept that there are differences, secondly, accept, acceptance will result in flexibility. If we accept those differences, we can be more flexible with them. Like Pastor Pat said very well last week, let's be careful about judging. Everybody said? Amen. Whoa, there it is. Let's be careful about judging and, and looking at whether it's the young person looking at the older person and saying, well, look at that, never mind. Or the older looking at the younger and saying, boy, let's be careful about judging. Let's accept the fact that they are, that we are. Can you imagine what, my, what the older generation was looking at when they looked at me with polyester plaid pants and platform shoes and a white jacket? I remember when, anybody here remember when Nehru jackets were in style? Anybody old enough here? Oh, I remember I got my first one. It was turquoise blue. It was the ugliest. I look at it now, how ugly. Do I, no, I don't still have it. You still have one? No, please don't have one. 
All I'm talking about here is difference. Let's, let's, accept, let's, let's just get over it and not be judging. Remember that beatitude. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. Right? Very simple. Flexibility comes as a result of understanding that there are differences in our generations. That's my third point. Seek to understand those differences. Understand those. As we understand them, we can accept them because the differences will always exist. I'm going to ask my friend, Pastor Spencer, to come up and join me. And uh, we're going to talk about some differences here. Let's give it up for this guy. Yeah. And we're just going to dialogue just for a few moments. And I've decided, I just felt, kind of felt led to just highlight the youth area, not children's here or not the mid-marrieds, but just the youth because Pastor Spencer's here and I and, uh, just want to highlight it because it's, that's probably the, the, I guess you would say the, uh, the key area where the, these differences really exist, and that is between the younger and uh, the more of us who are more mature, okay? And so I'm going to ask, come on, let's come up closer here, okay? Because I've got to stick by my notes or I get lost. <laughs> Anyhow, I want to ask Pastor Spencer, I've, I've given to him three questions, and we're just going to t kind of dialogue together. By the way, this is a wonderful young man. I watched him operate on, on Tuesday night, and this guy has, if you're a parent in here and you have a youth in the youth department, this guy loves your kids, okay? And uh, he does a great job. He and Pastor Aaron teamwork just beautifully together around the altar, so they did a great job, and so my hat goes I don't, we don't wear hats, hats in church, but bless you, buddy. Okay, let's do this. Okay, so the first question I pose to him is, uh, Pastor Spencer, tell us, what are the primary needs of, uh, where do you see the primary needs of youth today? Well, thank you, Pastor Bill. I'm just, I was excited when Pastor Bill asked me to do this because there's been a lot of cool generational things that we've been intertwining this, as this, we've entered this new season as a church, and it was funny, as we exited youth camp and we were texting each other earlier, I was like, wow, what a, what a week to be able to share together on a right. Sunday night right after leaving uh, him sharing an awesome word in youth camp. So it was cool. He, he posed these questions to me a few weeks ago and as we were at camp this week, I was able to pray over them and kind of soak on them as I was watching kids just be desperate for Jesus. And like you said, the first one is, what are the primary needs of the youth today? And there was a few things that just kind of kept resonating with me. And the first one is this, it's just one word, authenticity. Pastor Aaron and I say it a lot, but the youth nowadays can sniff out fake from miles away. That's and true. that's something that keeps me on my toes, keeps Pastor Aaron on our toes as, as we're kind of leading these students and serving with them. But they sniff out fake from a mile away, and they need desperation for Jesus, not manufactured presence of God. And it was something that was cool this week at camp. Um, Pastor Aaron even said it afterwards to me. He's like, you can't make this up. The presence of God is real, and that's why people are broken and on their knees before him. Um, and I think as we're kind of just in this generation series, that's something that's big for me and not even just for our youth, but for us as a church is we need an authentic love for Jesus. And that's, that's something good. that doesn't change across generations. Okay, good. I have three more. I'm gonna need, I need to go quick, I think. No, that's fine. That's the next fine. one is reassurance. Um, the youth nowadays need an encouragement to where they are at and where they are going and that the, what they're fighting for has a purpose as long as it's in Jesus. Um, Jesus is with them and their church community is for them. I think oftentimes as, as our young people can kind of 
they waver. Um, like you said, Pastor Bill, they may not be as mature, but they still have a strong will for Jesus, and they need to be reassured in that fight for him. Um, it might look different than, than a retired age person that's strong and full of lots of wisdom and has been walking their walk with the Lord for a long time, but the same passion is within our youth, and they need to be reassured that what they're doing has a purpose for the kingdom. That's good. Good word, buddy. Um, community is the next one. Uh, this one actually kind of broke me as I was at camp this week. Um, the first thing I've kind of noticed as entering in this new role as helping with our youth is that there's so much loneliness within, within Excuse me. people. You're not helping with our youth. You're the leader of the youth. Okay, you're just not helping, buddy. You're Thank you, you to man. Bill. Thank you, Pastor Bill. Everybody um, said? There's right, a lot of loneliness, not only in just the world, but especially in our younger people. And at camp, it was breaking me because so many kids that I've been praying for, knowing that they're really lonely, um, kind of by themselves, even if they have Jesus with them, there's not much community around them. But it was so cool to see just all our cabin leaders and all our cabin teams. There's just so much community bu being built up with kids you never would have thought. Um, and they were connecting with leaders you never would have thought so. And that was just breaking me to see, like, this is what they need. They need people around them. That was the theme of our camp, strength and numbers. And the idea of it was a life with, without Jesus is set up for failure. A life with Jesus is amazing, but how much better is it to have a life with Jesus and 100 other people that love Jesus more than you? Yeah. So the community behind that is just something that we desperately need. And the last one for this first question is, just like the rest of us, our youth need to know how lost they are without Jesus. Yeah. They need to know the stakes, and because of that, they need to understand that we are nothing without them, and there needs to be a continued desperation for Jesus. That's something that I was just getting hit hard with throughout the week as I would look at the altar and kids are just crying out to the Lord saying, I need you, God, I don't have anything else. And just like all of us, that's something that doesn't change across generations. We all need to know the stakes, and without him, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the things you said that struck me the most, uh, Pastor Spencer, was the, the loneliness. Um, I never, I don't know about you guys, but I never saw youth as being lonely. I saw them as they're active. They have their sports and they have their, their phones and they have their activities, um, things. Can you drill down on that a little bit? What do you mean by lonely? I mean, I know what it's like for my, our seniors group. I, I shared it this morning. There seems to be an epidemic of loneliness out there, but that's pervasive even to the youth. I think that the, that the tools that we can use in this world are full of technology, although they can be tools, they can be a big distraction and just a kid can get so, so cut up in what they're seeing on social media, what they see their friends are doing, oh, what, gotcha. what, what's going on without them, that they feel like they're lonely, they're missing out on all these things. Um, and they just get so cut up, especially in the summertime. I've had so many kids come up to me and be like, Spencer, I, I don't know what to do in the summer. I'm just in the room by myself. I'm not at school with my friends. I'm just really trying to fight through each day and they're just lonely because they're just sitting there for hours and hours and hours. Oh, my friend's doing this, my friend's doing this. But they're just seeing the, the peak of it. They're not seeing what that kid's still going through. Um, so the more that the community wow. is built up and understanding we're still struggling with the same things, no matter what it looks like from an appearance standpoint, we're all struggling with the same things and we need that community. Yeah, so even though there could be all these differences in age groups, there's definitely some similarities. Definitely some things, we're dealing with the same things. Another question that I, I posed to uh, Pastor Spencer was, we hear a lot today about this whole canceled culture issue, right? We've, we've heard it and we've seen it advertised and talked about it and so forth. Uh, I'd be curious to know, and uh, from a youth's point of view, I know what it's like for us older people. Uh, it's a, a smack on our traditionalism type thing. 
How do the youth today look at cancel culture? Um, when I was thinking about this question and praying on it, I was just really trying to prevent my own personal uh, viewpoint to kind of fluctuate how I was going to answer. So I went actually and asked a few people, and I don't know if this is just our church or the youth as a whole, but what I started to realize is the youth are just getting tired of it. I just heard the quote over and over, oh, look, another thing got canceled. And, like, mm. we heard Dr. Seuss got canceled. Um, there's so <laughs> many random things that you wouldn't think. And the more, the more the common theme I heard is that it's tiring and repetitive and almost an excuse just to silence someone who's sticking up for good. That's um, good. And That's I was a good surprised word. to hear that because, I mean, you would think this cancel culture movement is a lot of the young people. Yeah, good. There you go. Um, but there's just so much, especially in our church world, that we feel like that person's sticking up for good. Why are they, why are they being canceled? And I think the most important, I think you have something to say, but the most no, important ahead. thing to know in this cancel culture society is even our youth told me this. They need to know that in such a heavy cancel culture society that Jesus can never be canceled. Yeah. And so Amen. I was just so encouraged to Amen. hear that. Yeah. So encouraged to hear that. The devil can never win. Jesus will always be victorious. And yeah. the verse that stuck out to me was in Romans 8, 35 and 37. You, we all know it. But can mm -hmm. anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake, we are all killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelmingly, victory is ours, Christ who loved us. That's right. And Amen. Just, Amen. It's awesome. I mean, yeah. Christ can never be canceled. Yeah. So in other words, what you're saying is the youth are really saying no differently than what everyone else is saying. They're tired of it. How many of you are tired of it? Yeah. Okay. And I love that thought. I think it's a great thought is that, uh, oh, another thing that we hold dear is being canceled. Another thing that we hold special. Um, but not only us, but it's youth are feeling the exact same thing. Okay, yeah. Let's look at the last one really quick. Um, what, can, what can we who are older uh, do for the youth today? How can we help you? How can we help the youth today? I think this, is, this answer is just kind of a culmination of everything I said, but the word I just kept hearing over and over and over was affirmation. These kids just need to be affirmed in where they're at, affirmed in what they're doing, affirmed in where they're going. Uh, we have kids in our church that are going to go to Bible school. They're going to go to college. They don't know where they're going next. They don't know what the walk of their Lord looks like. We're all over the place in our, in our spectrum from what the kids look like, but they just need to be affirmed, know that Jesus loves them. They need to be lifted up and confirmed on the call that God has for them. It was really cool to see. I think it was, um, it was Tuesday night when you were here, Pastor Bill, at camp. There was probably 10 or so kids that felt a call in their life for full-time yeah. ministry, and they all came forward and took that bold step and saying, I'm accepting that call in my life. And they need to be affirmed in that. Right. Uh, we want to do a testimonies night. Pastor Aaron and I have talked about it and have some of these kids come forward and share. And if you know that that kid has a call in their life, they need to be affirmed in that and knowing that what they're doing isn't, isn't going to be wavered. I felt that call in my life from about the same age in high school and middle school. And the thing I did, and this is what I prayed over them, I ran away from it. And I, and I was praying for them that night. I said, don't run, chase after it. Right. And... I felt, not, not to anyone's fault, but if I would have been more affirmed in, because the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's, if that's a strong call in your life, he's not going to let you think that it's from Jesus. He's going to think you're Amen. made that that's up right. in your head. So just affirm him in it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You're doing great. Um, <laughs> I think that this is, the, I just like this phrase, walk with them as they walk with Jesus. Walk mm -hmm. with, 
walk with Jesus as you walk with them. I mean, we're all in this together. The generations, it's not going to change. We all have the same common goal and affirm each other. If you see a youth out in the lobby that you can tell is struggling, just go up and love on them. We all need each other. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Anything else you want to share? I just want to say how awesome you are. Oh, get out of here. Pastor Bill's the best. Ooh. Give it up for Pastor Bill. Thank you. Whoops. There we go. Yeah. Thank you so much, Spencer. I hope that helped you just a little bit. Um, understand that even though we look at different age groups as having a lot of differences, there are a lot of similarities, a lot of same things. Sometimes we are guilty, like Pastor Pat said last week uh, regarding judgment. Sometimes we're, we look at the cover and we don't realize the, int- the content and the inside of that individual, okay? And so let's be careful of that. Thanks, Pastor Spencer. I appreciate you helping me out there just in some things. Let's close with this last point quickly this evening. Uh, number three, and here it is. I think we've said it all, but I'll say it again. Every generation need one another. We need each other, Okay? Can you say amen again? Come on. Think about it. In first, the story that came to my mind uh, was 1 Kings chapter 12. There's a story about King Solomon who left his kingdom to a man by the name of Rehoboam. Rehoboam goes to two different groups of people for advice about how to lead the kingdom following his, the transference of leadership. He goes, first of all, to the elders, and the elders give him advice. Then he goes to the younger and he listens and he hears the younger's advice. And after he hears theirs, he said, I'm going to take yours instead of the elders. And I think if you know the story, he should have listened to the elders. Okay, he should have listened to the elders. But instead, he listened to his, his peers and he ended up losing his kingdom. His kingdom got, got divided and destroyed. Okay, the wisdom of the older need the vitality of the youth. But the, the, the vitality of the youth need the wisdom of the older. Okay? We need each other. We need to see the, like I said at the very beginning, we need to see the enthusiasm of the children and the love of them and the simplicity of the little children. But we, it all is, is a blending together. Um, I like the commercial. You guys have seen them on TV. Uh, the, the farmer's insurance says, we cover a lot of th- a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We've seen a thing or two, so we can help out people around us. We've been there, done that. So let me close with, you know, this is a couple thoughts here. Somewhere, sometimes, somehow, we have to come to, everyone has to come to the realization, sorry to say this, but it's not about us. It's about those who are coming after us, okay? Those who come after us, and when we see that, we begin to realize we need each other. Our goal should never be to change a generation, but to leave them something that will impact them forever. Pastor Tom said it very well this morning. We must be about leaving a generation that is stronger, is stronger. That's called legacy. Leave something that's stronger. There will be no legacy without the realization that a time will come that I'm not going to be here any longer, and I want to leave something of value to the next generation. So the challenge to every one of us, whatever generation we are in, what are we leaving for the next generation? How are we impacting them? Are we impacting them as, as someone who's critical or as someone as loving? Affirming or abandoning? How are we, how, what are we leaving for them? I, I hope that every one of us in here, 
after hearing some of the thoughts here this evening, can be convinced, I want to leave this to this next generation that they are loved, that God loves them, that God has a plan, that God has a future for them, that it's all going to work out. I've had things happen in my life. I've seen God work, and God going to do the same thing for you. Offer them that hope. I love this last verse. Then we're going to do something that I've never seen done here, and I've only been here three years, but we're going to do something that's going to be interesting. Don't leave yet. Psalms 91. Excuse me, Psalm 70. When I say that, Psalm 78, verse 5. For he issued his laws to Jacob. Listen to me. He gave his instructions to Israel, God. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them. In other words, they're not going to know them unless we pass them on to them. Even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their children. What a legacy there. What a passing down of, of the scriptures to one another. Okay, again, the respecting of the generations.